And now for something completely different. Forget everything you've been told by others before. Get ready for the real deal. The full story. Real talk about money. Markets. Life. Now, it's The Real Investment Show. Presented by RIA Advisors. Well, happy Financial Fitness Friday, everyone. I'm Rich Rosso, CFP, here with Danny Ratliff, CFP. We're so glad you decided to join us today. You awake? I'm awake. I'm here. <laughs> I'm ready to roll, Rich. I'm ready. Well, why don't you do the show and I'll just watch you? <laughs> Man, that'd be boring. Dow futures down 268 points. S&P futures down 42. Sort of in this um, overbought condition, Danny, aren't we? Sort of. It would be nice to actually see us consolidate here a little bit, see what the next move is, but we're up, up against a lot of resistance. And we don't really have much of a catalyst to move higher here, so we'll see where this uh, where this goes. But it's been an impressive move. I know Lance says this isn't a bear market, but it feels very berry to me. It does, and you know we may break that four week trend. We had four weeks I know. of positive markets. I mean, that's not characteristic in this environment, or, or maybe it is in some ways because we do expect we've expected us we are very oversold to have that oversold bounce. Um, you, know, you know that bounce was never coming, right? According to a lot of, oh my gosh, the world's coming to an end. And we that's right. Wait, just wait. You get these uh, counter trend rallies, you retrace fifty to sixty one percent of the downside. Now I think we're at a critical juncture. See where we need to go. Well, you know what's really interesting <laughs> to me is that the narrative has not changed. You know, the only thing that has changed is maybe, just maybe, the Fed's going to pivot, but. We could make an argument if the Fed's going to pivot, that likely wouldn't be on good news. So would markets <laughs> respond as favorably as everybody thinks in the long term in the long run with that? Now the narrative's changed amongst investors, I believe, because I am getting those calls now, Rich, and I'm sure you are as well, mm -hmm. of people that want to be more conservative just a month ago are now saying, Hey, we need to be more aggressive at this stage. And, you know, I, I can I can understand the sentiment and, and why someone would would make an argument to, you know, maybe increase exposure a little bit. I'm glad these people aren't on the Titanic with us. Everybody go to the other side of the boat. Okay, everybody move to the other side of the boat. It's, again, uh, you're going to get emotionally whipsawed here, and that's not how to manage your wealth. Um, and this whole pivot talk is, frankly, ridiculous. Uh, inflation's still about 8.5%. Um, and you're looking at a target of 2%. Uh, to get to 2%, the Fed's going to need to break something. How the heck do you go from 8.5%? How, how the heck do you have at this point in the cycle, Danny, even issue or utter the P word, pivot? How, how does that even happen? You know, I, I don't know. Somebody came up with this word and thought, man, this is going to be a great Let's see how far we can go with it. And clearly it's worked. Um, but you're, you're right. It's not going to be as quick as many people were expecting. Now, I do think once we get another couple of months into this, we start looking at these year-over-year -year numbers because inflation was rather hot towards the end of last year. Those year-over-year -year numbers aren't going to be nearly as high as what we've seen as of right now. And people were out and about. They were spending more money. You know, they weren't shut in. So I, I would suspect that we'll see these numbers come down, you know, a little bit 
a little bit quicker than what we've seen right now. I mean, 9.1 to 8.5. Who knows? Where, how low do you think we can get? Well, I don't know. I, I will tell you, obviously, unemployment uh, is at the at, at a lower level, right? We're at, what, 3.6% unemployment. But I will tell you that last Thursday was a survey released by PwC. They polled more than 700 U.S. executives and board members, and this was across a range of industries, and half of the respondents said they're reducing or head, they're reducing headcount or plan to, yep. and 52% have implemented hiring freezes, and more than 4 in 10 are rescinding job offers. So we are starting to see these layoffs. We've seen it in the tech sector. I do think, Danny, we'll see this is more of going to be a white-collar layoff recession versus uh, service and workers and so forth. Obviously, companies still need employees, but you are starting to see uh, the slowdown hit um, based on PwC, and they, they do a pretty decent job with intelligence. You're getting information just each and every day almost of companies that are slowing down, that are making changes. I mean, we look at the numbers of many of these other corporations that have released earnings or forward guidance isn't nearly as strong as what most people would suspect. Mm -hmm. And where it has gotten better, we talked about this this week, is that some of the areas that people are trading down. So, you know, mm -hmm. they're they're not shopping at the high-end stores. Maybe they're going to the more of the middle market or the, uh, you know, the dollar generals. I think we're seeing a, that the the sectors or the, the demographics of what people are doing or, or who's shopping where has changed and people are cutting back. I mean, we talked about how people's travel plans over the summer changed. Um, you know, how far does that go? How long do people, you know, take this? And does this become more of a habit? You look at the cost of raising children, the cost of eating out, you know, uh, people are starting to meal plan quite a bit more. I was reading mm -hmm. an article today on, um, you know, meal planning on how that's actually come back in vogue in the sense of people are having to get, um, a little bit more creative with what mm -hmm. they have in the pantry. But, you know, one family says every Thursday they have to clean out the pantry day. And so everything throughout the week, it's leftovers, it's whatever you have. You may, you know, throw the vegetables in a, on the grill or uh, in a pan. You know, people are starting to change. And uh, I saw another, another trend, which I'm sure you're on, Meatless Mondays. Well, you're on Meatless every day. Oh, meatless, unfortunately. Well, and you're right. You know, when uh, John David Rainey, the CEO of Walmart, told CNBC roughly 75% of Walmart's grocery share gains came from shoppers with households, household incomes of 100,000 yep. or more. People are changing their habits. In a way, we always think that's positive, right? Because maybe it carries over when inflation finally cools off. Maybe there are some good financial habits. Well, but then I thought that during the uh, pandemic... There would be some good habits, and right away people are still spending more on credit cards, going on vacations, lavish trips because they feel entitled. One of the things I worry about from the pandemic, Danny, is obviously we have all the aftermath, right? Mm -hmm. We don't know how many people who put off cancer screenings, right, people who uh, – children out of school, how that's going to affect them for generations – the mental illness, the drug abuse, the suicides. But also, I'm also thinking that I wonder if we've changed spending habits to where people really don't want to delay gratification at all because at any minute, the government can shut us down. I'm wondering how maybe, maybe the pandemic has affected spending habits for the worst in certain areas. 
I, I don't know, so much is changing, but it's just interesting to see people taking these lavish vacations and putting them on credit cards saying, well, I've been locked up for all this time and now I need to go. Um, so consumer spending has still been strong. So um, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, it's, a, it's a, the YOLO feeling, mentality all over again, just in a different, different way. Um, and I don't think grocery store prices are going down anytime no. soon. And the Fed's not going to affect that at all. Hey, we get back. We're going to talk a little bit about some of our topics. You know, mortgage rates are up. Um, some of the housing economists says the, um, re- the housing is in recession right now. So, uh, but your child wants a mortgage. What do you do? We'll talk about it when we get back here on Financial Fitness Friday. Stay tuned. daily investment news you can use delivered at the speed of the internet at realinvestmentadvice.com hi lance roberts here if you're like most people your 401k plan represents the bulk of your retirement assets and unfortunately for many managing your 401k plan can be difficult there's so many choices so many things to consider with just a quick email a couple of questions you can put ria advisors to work for you managing your 401k plan get started right now at the website realinvestmentadvice.com or simply call our toll free number 855-RIA-PLAN or again simply online at realinvestmentadvice.com The Real Investment Show And we're back I have a quiz for you What you got? What's the sweatiest city in America. Huh. Houston? Orlando, Florida. Oh, really? Okay. Houston came out number six. Number six? Wow. That's what because the we're the most air-conditioned city, city in the world. Yeah. Corpus Christi came in number two. There's a study for everything. Every. I would have thought the sea breeze would have... Uh, That's what I would have thought, too. All right. That's what I really want. Well, you thought. know, Florida's only like 70 miles wide or something. So you can't get away from it. Yeah. Regardless of which direction those trade winds blow over there. That's true. <clears throat> I know. Let's build a city in the middle of a swamp. <laughs> Welcome to Houston. Yeah. Those guys are still laughing. <laughs> They're still laughing. Um,. Speaking of crying, not laughing, uh, Danny, you found us some information about how much it costs to raise a child. Yeah, I'm still crying. So, because I mean, we got to do a multiplier with oh, Danny, we man. have to take it to the third power, or fourth power. But um, what uh, cheery information did you uh, come up with today? Yeah, so the Brookings Institute did a new survey, and they they looked at the inflation and how much it costs to raise a child. I thought, hey, th- okay, well they're going to use 2021 numbers, 2020. No, they went back to 2017, and they said that the um, a married middle-income couple with two children would spend 
$310,000 or $310,605 to be exact, or an average of $18,271 a year to raise their younger child born in 2015 through age 17. So one child, 18000 a year. <laughs> wow. I don't know how people are going to make it. Look, obviously this is an average. There's many people who do but, it on but child far, care. far less. Look at child care, right? Yeah. We always have to weigh out, uh, do the equation, whether or not it's, it's worth it for to a couple to go to work. Sometimes it's not, depending on the jobs. It's worth it for maybe one party to stay home, right? That's right. And so they, so they stopped. They didn't do the study for two years, and it's up actually 9% over that time frame. So looking back, I mean, these numbers, I mean, this is what scares people to death when you start throwing these big numbers out. This is going to, you know, people are going to stop thinking about like, hey, you do actually family planning if people still do that. You may you, you think may about based on world child. demographics, people have already thought about it. Yeah. Um, the state of demographics is pretty poor. China is really suffering right now. I mean, we're not doing much better. We're doing much better than China, but we, well, I mean, as far as yeah. still the world from a demographic perspective, and here's part of the reason. Yeah. Right. This is also part of the reason. Friends with no kids be like, you want to go to Africa on Friday? Because I don't have to spend three hundred and ten thousand dollars. <laughs> Look, you see I, a lot of you see a lot of couples a, with without children. I, and I spoke mean, to a young couple the other day, and they yeah. said, "Listen, we're not having kids. We like the freedom, and we have a lot more discretionary money." We're, we're, I'm like, "Well, I can't argue with you. You're well, going to meet your retirement goal a lot sooner." They've I, done well, right? You know, th- you got to look at the qualitative aspects of having a child. I only wanted one, and part of the reason was one: I was an only child, but I, I, I did the calculation. I'm like, uh-uh. I'm sorry, yeah. but I wanted five, and then I had one, then I had two more, and I was like, "Nope." You're still young, Danny. You can. Oh have two. man, I am not that young. You could no. still have two more. Yeah, you could. It could happen. Probably shouldn't. You could have twins. You know, hey, Rich could have kids. I mean, listen, I have fun trying, <laughs> but no. <laughs> Oh, man. That'll wake you up. You know, <laughs> that's, that's your there's the good part of it, and then there's the bad part of it. Um, <clears throat> so, <laughs> where do we go from there? Thanks well, for that but, visual. But, but this, is, this is interesting. So the, I'm the even frightened at it. These cover a range of different expenses, right? So they're yeah, looking at housing, food, clothing, health care, child care, uh, accounts for childhood milestones, activities, you know, diapers, haircuts, sports equipment, dance lessons. I mean, I send this any, to my kid. I'm never going to have a. I'm never well, going to be a grandfather. That's right. But I mean, she's going to get another cat. So many people who they look at these things and they say, "Oh my gosh!" I mean, if you look at this, the state of child's, uh, you know, it used to be you just go play rec ball. Now you play select ball, and you're spending so much money with baseball, uh, dance. I, I have clients that we look at the numbers for dance. I mean, some are spending between fifteen and twenty thousand yes. dollars just. On that, and the state of a, pri- a public school, you got to be somewhat woohoo to maybe you got to really examine that whether or not you're going to send your kids to private school today. Well, you know, and that's that's the kicker too is that that has become so expensive, and the mm-hmm. average cost goes up exponentially. I mean, we're talking five to seven percent is what that was, and you know, so I did the numbers with when my oldest was in kindergarten uh, some years back, right. and it was uh, I did it without inflating it because I didn't want to scare myself to death. <laughs> And it, for it's three, good you didn't do that. For three, at, at, at our area where we lived, 
it was going to be about a million bucks, if not more. You want to feel well, good about your more. financial plan. You want to feel good about having children. You want to feel good. Just don't include inflation. Yeah. Just take it out of the equation altogether. Well, I did it, and it still, I didn't feel it good. still scared you. Yeah. Yeah. My, my daughter sends me a picture of the cat in the stroller watching TV. I'm like, I'm done. I am never going to have a grandchild. And the cat is sitting there watching a cartoon. On, oh, I'm like, yeah. I'm done. This is, it's over. I mean, I'm watching this cat watch a cartoon. And the cat is watching the cartoon. And I'm like, I said to my, my ex, uh, great, she's a great mom. I said, we're never going to be grandparents, are we? She goes, not unless, uh, you know, we have litter boxes. <laughs> so, Was the cat watching Tom and Jerry? No, some Japanese cartoon. You ever see those videos of cats watching television and they, they swipe at the... My Josie... Oh, your dog's a dog? Watches TV, sees a dog, and starts going crazy. Really? Oh, yeah. You know why? Because the, the, the picture is so realistic, yes. right? Yes. So the dog looks at it and goes, oh, there's another dog. Yeah. Yeah, she flips out. That little Josie's so cute. You see Brent's little dog? Oh, yeah. She's not spoiled at all. No. None, None whatsoever. Not spoiled at all. Will never be. Yeah. Well, speaking of spoiled... We had said, Danny and I, well, we've been saying, but we had said it months ago, if you want to buy a car, if you want to buy a house, wait, just wait. If you don't need it, wait. Housing affordability is at the worst level since 2006, right? So there are, uh, there's a trend for mo- the bank of mom and dad to fund mortgages, right? K- your kid needs a mortgage. And there are affluent parents that are footing the bill, and not really footing the bill, but making the loan, right, Danny? Well, I think we're seeing more and more people are having to do that just to attain the house that they want. With prices going up the way that they did, Mm -hmm. also with interest rates, many people were priced out. So they had to tap mom and dad because they couldn't afford it otherwise. Right, they couldn't. But you look at the National Association of Realtors came out the other day. House sales have dropped 20% in June compared to the same time last year. Their chief economist now believes that we are in a housing recession. You know, at RIA, we have all our our, uh, debt, we have debt guardrails, we have savings guardrails, but one is a primary residence mortgage, two times gross salary, no excuses. It's a tough tenant, but that means young home buyers, they have to buckle down, they have to sacrifice, they have to save to meet the threshold. Um, we, we always recommend, right, Danny, you don't need all the square footage, smaller homes, fewer mm-hmm. furnishings, whether you're starting out or you're retiring. So one of the things, if your kids do need a mortgage, you got to keep in mind, how objective are you going to be about this? In other words, how many times have you witnessed clients forsake their own financial health and well-being to assist the ch- their children? Listen, I, w- I, you know, we would do it, right? We want to assist our kids. But I see parents do this over and over and over again, uh, giving their child money to get out of debt, and the child goes back into debt, right? Um, they have to know their limits, especially yeah. if I'm getting close to retirement. Um, well, how much am I sacrificing? And one way to do that, I've had one client that said, you know, my kid's going to need money. Yeah. We might as well put it into the financial plan and then figure out how much I can give him every year. Now, and again, as a financial planner, you don't have to agree philosophically with your client. You just want to help your client hit the goal they want. 
and then also make them aware of the pitfalls. So you've got to know your limits of how much you can do to help your children, um, how much fiscal bandwidth you have uh, to make those uh, dollars available for family loan purposes. And that's where we always say don't forsake retirement security. Uh, it's a loan. There's always a risk of unforeseen circumstances that can jeopardize retirement income. We see this a lot with college planning, right, Danny? We, we do. We see this with college planning. We see this you know, in many different elements here. But I have more probably bad experiences or mm-hmm. just client experiences than good. And many times, you know, a lot of times we can justify and say, okay, this is going to be an investment. The kid's going to pay me. I'm going to put this much down. I'm going to buy this house. And they're going to pay me every month. I'm going to get interest back on it. And it's going to be a win-win. But most of the time, it doesn't end up like that. It doesn't. I hate to say it. I think you're thinking emotionally, right? Because this is your child. You're not looking at, looking at it, say, as a bank would look at this loan. Well, you need to. Um, and that's the thing is you need to actually back into these numbers. Say, okay, yes. the kid's coming to me for this. And I've seen this work. So mm-hmm. not everybody's like this. I mean, there's some really responsible children out there that do a great job with this. Parents set very good expectations. They do. But there's a lot of times where... They do this when the, the kid's in over their head, as it is. They shouldn't be doing this. should be addressing other things first and thinking about, okay, well, if you're coming to me for this, what's the reason why? Yep. Hey, we get back. We're going to continue. If you're going to be the bank of mom and dad, which is a it has been a big trend, but it's a growing trend in the face of rising mortgage rates, there are some tips we put together just for you. We'll be right back. Financial Fitness Friday, Steve. Can't you see that love is everywhere? Step into the confusion. Can't you hear the sound that's in the air? investment advice blog it's required reading for the informed investor catch it today at realinvestmentadvice.com in 1999 a parafiduciary group of financial advisors were busted by corporate giants for trying to operate in their clients best interest these men promptly escaped from a high cost margin environment to the houston energy corridor today still excoriated by their former employers they survive as protectors of others' fortunes. If you have a problem about preserving capital, if no one else can help, and you can find them right here, maybe you should hire the RIA team. You're listening to The Real Investment Show. So, Is being an adult just a cycle of spending hundreds on groceries, getting home, then deciding you want to order pizza instead? Yes, it absolutely is. In Brent's case, Casa Cabana or Taco Cabana or Casa, any kind of Chewy's. Mexican food over pizza. Her favorite. Mexican over pizza. Is Taco Bueno. Taco Bueno. And, you know, we live up northwest. Yeah. Is there a Taco Bueno? No. There isn't. No. Right. She will either drive to Katy. No way. To or, Katy. Or to Conroe, where there are Taco Buenos running. 
Which are both, what, 25, 30 miles oh, from Oh, yeah. Yeah. This easily. Mexican food for Texans is like a drug. It is. She might as well go I, to Chewy's really by the time you factor in the gas and the time. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. Man. That's what happens when you're hooked. Mm-hmm. See, I'm like that with pizza because from New York. Really? Like, well, every block is a pizzeria. is yeah. a pizza place versus here. Yeah. You open a Mexican restaurant, everybody comes. You open a pizzeria, everybody comes, right? It's just different. It's just different. So I never had the... Uh, Addiction. Mm-hmm. I like the food, but I've just never had the addiction. That's just what you grew up. And with. it's it's not like Tex-Mex anywhere else in America. No, I would what agree. You get with, here. No, I would agree with that. No, well, you can't and go Texas, anywhere else and, and think you're going to go eat Mexican food. Texas in general. Yeah. I mean, even if you're you go eat, go eat barbecue, New York City's got barbecue <laughs> restaurants, and I laugh. I'm like, yeah, okay, sure. That's yeah. got to work. Yeah, it's mm-hmm. meat and tomato sauce is yeah, all that is. <laughs> Now I want meat and tomato sauce. Um, so if your kids need a mortgage, we put together these six lessons for the bank of mom and dad. And don't forsake retirement was number two, your retirement security. When we see retirees who un- undertake these intrafamily loans, they have more than enough liquid assets to cover needs and cash for emergencies. So, because this is, it could be a long-term illiquid asset. Your kid's not going to stay in a house for 30 years, let's face it, but it could be 10, right? So you don't want to forsake your retirement security. Then you do, and this is the toughest one, Danny, I think, is you do have to think like a loan officer. Because Haley always shares with me what her credit score is, because that's like a badge of honor. And I'm really glad that I taught her what's important that goes into a credit score. She's always... You know, she wears it like a badge of courage, I, and, I, and I love that, right? So you have to look at or objectively analyze your children's relationship with money. You have to. A child with poor credit is probably not going to qualify for a bank loan, and it shouldn't, he or she shouldn't qualify for a loan from the bank of mom and dad. What do you think there, uh, loan officer Danny? No, I agree. I think that you need to address probably bad habits, you know, additional debt that you may have that the child has. Um, but you have to look at the big picture and, and really understand it within the financial plan. Like you mentioned last segment, mm-hmm. the the problem is that we can make these numbers work many times. Right. But should you is the question. And, and I think that's the that's the bigger part is take the emotional aspect out of it. Mm-hmm. And it's saying, OK, look, guys, here's what we need to do prior to you going and buy this home. I'm going to help you. But let's go, what's the hierarchy of paying off the debt you have? How much money do you have saved in the savings account? Do you understand the true expenses of owning a home? Home ownership is not cheap. The total payment, right. Yeah. And you also, you have the ability or a track record of observing your child's relationship with money. I Personally, I'd only make a loan to my daughter if her credit score was 739 or better. And I know her score, right? And that's difficult for somebody young starting off to have. You know, you're not going to come out of the well, gate. Well, she started getting these credit scores when she started to build up through credit cards, you know, the secured credit cards. Mm-hmm. There's ways for your young child to build credit. But you say that's the case, Danny. You can still watch. Like, you already know with your children, don't you? Who's the saver? Oh, yeah. Who's the spender? Right? You, you could sort of get the idea of how your children are with money by the time they're ready to b- purchase a home. So you, I know it's... I know... It's a tough way to look at it. Well, I had one bartering with me yesterday. I made 10 bucks. <laughs> this is great. So he says, hey, Dad, I want a $100 bill. Do you have any $100 bills? I said, man, I'll keep my money laying around. Like, let, me, let me see if I, sure, I can Dad. find one. Wait. So I, I go get a $100 bill. 
And I said, hey, he's, he's got his money counted. Bunch of ones, some tens, some twenties. And I said, okay, you counted this money. Oh, yes, sir. I said, you sure? I'd already counted. I knew what he did. He put 10 bucks too much. Oh. Um, and it, which, which is really shocking because this is a kid that I'll take to Walmart to buy gifts during Christmas for his brothers and sisters. And we'll say, we well, have 20 bucks and it'll take two hours. I mean, everybody thinks we're broke. <laughs> Because he's going back, okay, Dad, if I buy this and I can't get this, and he's doing the math in That's his head. That's what Haley used to do, too. And yeah. it's, it's fantastic. That's I great. love it. Yeah. Good for him. But, uh, yeah. but yes, yeah, so I said, okay. It's fun to you, watch, isn't it? it? It is. It's fun. It's fun to watch the money anguish. Yeah. Because <laughs> you know they're thinking about it, and they're doing the math. I love mm-hmm. that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. So I said, hey, so whatever you have here, you're sure. Oh, yeah. Yes, sir. So took the money, made the exchange. And so I counted it in front of him. I said, oh, man, I just made 10 bucks. This is a great deal. <laughs> Look oh man, he was, he was not happy. His face went from a big smile to, I mean, you could tell he was, he was not feeling real good. Well, Dad, I said, hey, man. That's how the deal. loan sharks do it it's in New York. It's an exchange fee. Yeah, that's, that's right. Yeah. I said, this is why it's always important. So we made it into a lesson. This is always why it's important. Count twice. Understand exactly what you have. So I gave it back to him. But yeah. uh, I don't think you'll make that mistake again. I would also suggest then after that you watch Goodfellas. To understand what happens when you renege on. Yeah, you don't pay something back. Well, luckily, this wasn't a loan, just an exchange. And, you know, he, he got a kick out of it. We have some rules. You can't take it to school. And uh, he's going to have to go put it in the bank. So that's what our next step is. He's, we're going to the bank. I'm surprised he hadn't framed it. Mm. You know, my first $100. Well, and he can't it, spend it. Yeah. Kid's a good saver. Good for him. See, that's good. He's, he's pretty good. Now, he's, he's really good. He's probably better than my other ones at actually understanding, like, the save, spend, mm. and good. then the charity uh-huh. charitable aspect uh-huh. of it. Um, we went out to eat. We try to go out, like, once a week, give or take. And uh, he's like, hey, Dad, starts pulling out some ones. <laughs> he's he's going to tip the waiter. <laughs> I was like, hey, man, I already took care of that. No, nah, I think he did a good job, Dad. That kid would have been great in The Sopranos. Yes. At the Jiggly Room. Yeah. Oh, yes. With all those ones. Mm-hmm. Oh, man. <laughs> <laughs> Leave it to Richard to shatter the image. I, I yeah, have. I know. Only Sweet, innocent. I got, I got roped into doing um, another scene for that film that's coming out. Yeah. With yeah. Artie Pasquale, uh-huh. who was in The Sopranos. Of course, he got Yeah. He got the uh, uh, in The Sopranos. Um so, and then he had a dog in the Sopranos, like, what's going to happen to the dog? Um, so maybe you don't want to give your kid a loan, but you can maybe say, you know, I might make a gift. I might do that. So if you do want to do it, understand that you have the annual gift exclusion, 16000 each recipient. So mom and dad can each give 16000 to each child and avoid the hassles of filing a gift tax return. Um, again, that's a far crime from financing a mortgage, but it can help. So according to the National Association of Realtors, they come out with a report every year, 29% of younger millennials receive down payment assistance in the form of a gift or loan from a friend or relative. And Danny, but you brought up something very important. If I'm going to make this gift to my children, I also want to help them understand the responsibilities of owning a home. Lance was on the other day talking about how a house is really not an investment. Mm Mm-hmm. It's an expense, and it's not a right. It's a privilege. There's a responsibility that goes along with it. So you better help your child understand, even though I'm giving you this gift, I'm not making this loan, do you understand what goes into a loan payment? What percentage of your take-home pay is this total payment? 
So you still want to have these conversations or understand even with the gift to your child. Well, and you have to be careful children. with the gift as well, because if you give it to them after you're going through, let's say they're going through a mortgage process uh-huh. and you give it to them in the middle of it, and additional money shows up. That's right. You can get trouble. The whole thing could be off. off Absolutely. That's why you want to work with your loan officer to understand how this gift is going to work because it couldn't mess up the whole thing. You also have to look at the um, impact of taxes. So if a parent sits on, say, after-tax cash, wants a return on that cash, then an intrafamily mortgage can work. So as of this writing, the IRS applicable applicable federal rate, right, they they print these tables of a 30-year or the 30-year AFR is 3.3%. So, Danny, that's the federal rate. That's the rate the IRS wants to use. That's the base rate. You can increase that rate. Like if Lance was making this loan to his kids, it wouldn't be 330. It would be like 9%, right? So we, we, we know that. But you have to understand. Lance would just say, go get a job. Yeah, what? what? You know, this AFR, you know what? F this AFR 3.3. 6.6 for you. Um, you still have to understand that um, it's still cheaper than a conventional mortgage today. So there are a lot of parents that are going, okay, if I make this loan, I make some interest on my money. My child, I, did, I went through all the steps, good credit score. They ha- I have the excess cash in an after-tax account just sitting there. I can do this. Um, you have to use this table to do so. It's very important. Right. Well, you don't want the IRS to audit you, come back, and then that's where you're going to end up in, in trouble. And then a good deed is really getting punished. And based on the number of IRS agents coming, you're going to get audited. Ooh, yeah. Who the heck wants to work for the IRS? I know the IRS is going to hire all these new workers over the next decade, but we can't find workers for anything. Can we find workers for the IRS? Look, it's just, this is where everybody wants to go. You don't have to physically work. You can't get fired. Go uh, work for the government. You get a pension. Get a pension. You carry a gun. You can shoot anybody who doesn't sign their 1040. Yeah, I don't understand that whole thing. Your AGI is off by $100. You will die now. When we come back, we're going to continue with these tips. Stay tuned. Daily investment news you can use. Delivered at the speed of the internet at realinvestmentadvice.com. In 1999, a parafiduciary group of financial advisors were busted by corporate giants for trying to operate in their clients' best interest. These men promptly escaped from a high-cost margin environment to the Houston Energy Corridor. Today, still excoriated by their former employers, they survive as protectors of others' fortunes. If you have a problem about preserving capital, if no one else can help, and you can find them right here, maybe you should hire the RIA team. The Real Investment Show. And we're back. So listen, these interfamily loans 
are going to become more popular as interest rates rise. And parents need to make or family members need to make the right decisions with their money and take the emotions out of it. And as we know with money and emotions, they are too entwined and you have to separate them like a bank officer would. So I have any people have come to you, Danny. I know I've had some people come to me and say, yeah, I want to make this mortgage loan. I go through all the steps and I'm like, well, we don't have any after-tax cash. To do, we, where are you getting the money to do this? Oh, I'm going to take an IRA withdrawal. No, 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 we're not doing that. <laughs> so here I am. I'm going to take, you know, a couple hundred thousand dollars out of my IRA, and I'm going to be taxed, and I have to look at the implications on taxation on Social Security. I have to look at Irma. No, no, we can't do this. It's not going to work. Well, can, can I get a loan off my IRA? No. You could take the money out for 60 days. So if this, is a, if this is a short-term loan, we can certainly do that. But no. So you've got to be careful to understand where you're getting the money to loan, to make this loan to your children. And you have to look at the total repercussions. So if I'm going to get taxed at 30% or so or 27% or whatever it is, I better understand that... Um, why I'm willing to do this and I'm going to lose money in the deal. Right. Yeah, absolutely. That's so now that this good deed is even punished even more because you're having to take it from just the one spot. Right. That's why we, we talk so frequently. I visited with somebody, um, actually two people this week who said, you know what? I don't need a plan. I'm not ready to retire. And I thought, Whoa, man, hold on now. There's so much more we can do. Look, I don't care how long on you there, have buddy. prior to retirement. If you're really close, if you got a long time, you know, obviously if we can start the younger you know, a lot of a lot of young people think they don't need one. No way. I can't even think that far out. I don't know what it's going to look like. But how do you know where you start putting funds? How do you understand, you know, what you need down the road? And what milestones you're going to hit? You have goals for your money. That's right. But don't you want to see how your habits, what you do, how that how that's a wave effect throwing that pebble in the water? Don't I want to know the waves I create by my actions? That's why plans for younger people, even though I understand retirement in this is this nebulous kind of thing, you're, you've, like you said, Danny, you've got these money habits that you're laying out. We want to show you the result of that, make you more financially or money aware because you still might need insurance, right? Yep. You still might need, uh, how many times do you go through a plan with a younger person and then they don't they don't take disability income insurance at work? Man, so they, many times. Right? They that's have a young, scary one. They have young children and they don't have life insurance. I mean, a lot of crazy things that people do that a plan will bring to the surface and it is an awareness to a plan, even though ultimately, you know, you might be 30 years from retirement. It's a big difference. So one of the other ideas we had was to think balance. <clears throat> what exactly is your child's skin in the game for this house? And I'm not talking that they have to make the payment, but a, a recent insight from a client actually sparked this idea. He, he's an advocate. He does these intrafamily loans. But he also believes that the down payment, Danny, is the child's responsibility. And I like this idea. Uh, there's nothing wrong with skin in, the, uh, skin in the game. If I can see how my children practice financial discipline, build up that down payment, right? If I have cash on the line, you should have cash on the line as well so i don't i absolutely don't think there's anything wrong with that yeah well just like with anything i think when you have skin in the game it becomes that much more important to you mm -hmm. and so if you didn't have that money down you didn't understand how this works 
you didn't set, actually have to work and save that money. Right. Well, then where's your vested interest? How are you going to treat the house, the car, the whatever it may be? I mean, I think we all know. If you don't have that skin in the game, that self, that responsibility just typically isn't there. Absolutely. Same thing with college, right? Yep. You might want to pay for your college, the, your children's college education so they don't have debt, but you also want to see how they do with their grades. What's the skin in the game there? Are they working a part-time job to pay for all the other additional expenses? So say you go into, you want to do an intrafamily loan. How do you do it? Well, you could, we have people that do this administrative process on their own. You have the IRS AFR tables. That, those are available. You also have family loan agreement templates that are, rel, re, that are readily available at eForms. Um, you select your state. You complete your form. You sign in the presence of two witnesses unrelated to the family, and you begin the process. Um, but you got to keep in mind, I do expect intrafamily loans to be under increased IRS unwarranted, unwarranted scrutiny. So you're going to have to consider I would continue to work with a tax professional to ensure that I'm following the right rules. And for those who are comfortable using an intermediary, there is a company out there, National Family Mortgage. They are very widely uh, recognized specialists in interfamily loans. They, they do the initiation, the processing, servicing of the family loan. So their website, say you even want to do this, their website at National Family Mortgage is a hub of comprehensive information and printable guides. You'll have setup fees and so forth, but again, they're free guides, they're FAQ. Uh, I noticed, Danny, when I went through the homework with National Family Mortgage, looking through it, they really do a, a good job of helping people understand just intrafamily loans in general, what they need to understand about the process. I think it's having somebody that, that can be a, an unbiased kind of ear or, or even just somebody who can give a little bit of uh, opinions and say, look, here's the experience that we typically see. Mm -hmm. I think that goes a really long way. And Personally, this is the way I would do it yeah. because I don't want any trouble. <laughs> uh, and I have, I have someone that provides statements, tax forms, you know, does all of that. And I don't have to go near it. The setup fees, I think, are pretty reasonable uh, for what they do. And I think that that's probably, a, to me anyway, a more viable option. But there are people who feel like, hey, I could do this on my own. Okay, well, you do have the tools to go ahead and do it. But realize you better do it properly. Otherwise, you're going to be in um, sort of big trouble. Uh, at least I think so. Because based on data about how many more audits we're going we're gonna to see, this is from uh, hmm, IRS audited 197 low-income families for every high-wealth family in 2019, according to the Government Accountability Office. Wow. And that's a number that is some experts expect to climb. Well, of course it's going to climb. What, what do they expect when you have this many more agents coming? Yeah, They're not going for the wealthy. They're coming for you. <laughs> well, the wealthy hire all these accountants and to make sure that uh, they are doing the right thing. Yeah. It's, it's funny. Everybody thinks that wealthier people hire tax accountants to not pay taxes. Well, no. Sometimes you're hiring your, your tax specialist to make sure you're not getting into trouble. <laughs> Making sure you're not missing anything. Why don't we go with, right? Well, I think everybody's so, looking for opportunity to save money, right? Yes. I think that, look, I feel that I'm a better steward of cash than the government. Let's be real here. Gee. I think 
I think, I think so. most of you are. So I would prefer, you know, you can hold on as much as you can. Now, I, I would really like one of law. those tanks that we left in Afghanistan. Oh, the seven, wouldn't eight like billion one of dollars worth of... would you like of, one of those yeah. tanks? Yeah. You know, Tony, Tony Busby out here in Houston had a... He bought a tank and left it out there in River Oaks. Yeah, I think uh, HOA wasn't lawn. real fond of him. <laughs> I thought that was great, though. Did you see some recently that uh, this guy posted, a, he raised a flag that said defund the HOA? Oh, how'd that go over? I think he got a, no, a letter. <laughs> was it Brent? Oh, <laughs> Brent. That's very... Defund the HOA. He's, he's not very, listening. No, he's very busy because we're having a lot of... I'm noticing the starship. You know who he's like on uh, Star Trek? Who was the dude in the engine room? Captain, the whole ship is... <laughs> Scotty. Yeah, you're like Scotty, because the whole ship is falling apart. I noticed that the phasers are down, the lasers are all... Everything is off, and well, you he's know, trying to p- keep it all together. If you're listening on radio, you don't know. No, I mean, it's, no, but I'm, there, I'm seeing but you scramble around like YouTube Scotty. YouTube channel has dropped. Yeah. So, dealing with that. I think it's because we were talking about the IRS. Um, probably, yeah. <laughs> Perfect. The hand of Big Brother. <sighs> I mean, we go back to dad jokes. You know, <laughs> I had one about unemployed. It just never works. Oh my goodness, that's a terrible joke. What? <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh, did the kids get that one? Have you used that? I hadn't used that one on the kids yet. No, I'm getting most of my material from the kids. Now, there's a couple places I've. Uh, so I, the know. kids get their dad jokes from school. No, they get it from a book. That, so, oh. so Abby bought me these little cards, and she thinks they're hilarious. She pulls a card, and you know, she'll come up just randomly and tell me these jokes. And I'm pretty sure she uses them in school. And then there's a couple of books they've bought me over the years. So most people get socks, ties. I get books of dad jokes. Yeah. Fun. That is more fun than t- uh, shirts and ties. Well, the best part is them actually trying to tell the joke and then thinking something is so <laughs> hilarious. And they when can't get you, it's it. just like, oh my goodness, like you can't even, you don't even want to laugh. But it makes you laugh because, you know, they think it's really funny. That's fun. So Lowe's is giving $55 million in bonuses for their hourly workers. Wow, that's great. inflation. See, it's nice when a private company appreciates their employees. See, we're not paying for that out of pocket. Right? We're not paying for that. But you also, they're thanking their associates for their hard work and dedication. Well, so, we're paying for it. I mean, just higher prices. <laughs> well, we've been paying higher yeah, prices. You're paying right? for it one way or another. But you think about where you think the where this possible recession could go. Lowe says these associates have the most important jobs in our company. I do believe that Lowe's, if they have to do layoffs, they're not going for the associates. They're going for the upper level middle management jobs. That's why I think this is going to be more of a white collar layoff uh, situation if we are going to be in recession and we are close. Well, that's it for today. We appreciate you being here with us on Financial Fitness Friday. Lance back on Monday. We'll see you on Friday. Have a great weekend, everybody.
to his last word.